This is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Guys, I am so excited. I have Sarah Smith here today. Um, Sarah is a former teacher. We will get into that in a little bit. Um, she is a coach. She is a mom. She wears many hats, and I'm so excited for you guys to meet her. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Were you always an athlete growing up? Were you always healthy? What What was your early life like? Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, so, I well, first of all, thanks for having me, yeah. Jackie. I listen to your podcast, and I'm a fan. It's really just so down to earth and relatable. And I heard, and I was like, oh. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to hear more. So, um, so yeah, I was always pretty, an, a pretty active kid. I was a dancer and a cheerleader. I ran track and field in high school. Um, so I would say probably I would identify with being an athlete a lot of my life. Although now I think of it as that as a kid, I didn't really think much of it. Um, cause I feel like parents would just put their kids in sports and it doesn't make you athletic. Right. Um, but it's funny. I had sort of a, um, a not super healthy relationship with exercise, particularly once I got into track and field, I, I signed up for track and field just for my dad. And mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy the running too much and the pain and the cramping and all that stuff. Um, and so I didn't have a great relationship with it. And I started smoking in high school, um, probably like my junior year of high school, not like a hardcore smoker. I wasn't like really cool enough to be out in the parking lot. <laughs> smoking cigarettes but you know on the weekends and then definitely my senior year it was like weekends going out hanging out with your friends smoking and I was Mm -hmm. the captain of the track team how terrible is that oh wow (laughs) yeah so but I was always active and then um pretty much most of my young adult life until I hit college Mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting and just thinking about how health has so many different like aspects, like what it means to be healthy. So like if someone saw you and they were like, Oh, she's on the track and field team. She's super healthy. And then like, Oh, there's other things like a relationship (laughs) with exercise and Mm -hmm. smoking and other things like that. So many different um, aspects. So you're an athlete. And then what about like college after college? What was life like then? Okay, so because I really didn't enjoy um, running and being active, and I was sort of doing it because I felt like I had to, um, in high school, when I went to college, I wanted nothing to do with it, right? I was like, no, I'm done. I mean, at first, I was like, yeah, I'm a runner, and I would go for runs, but the smoking kind of became a bigger part of my life, um, because in college, there's ample time to sit around and, like, talk with your friends and smoke cigarettes and I went to University of New Hampshire so there was a lot of like chilling out in the woods like drum circle type stuff going on there um you know and so I um but you know what's really funny is that I I took a dance class I was a dancer for 13 years I took a dance class my sophomore year and I could barely do it because I was so out of shape from not moving and smoking and that was sort of when like the light bulb turned on I was like oh okay um you took for granted all the benefits of being an active person and you're going to have to make a choice what's more important. And it took me at least a year to really get serious about it. But one of the things I liked about your first episode when you were talking about just like making this decision to be a runner and to run no matter what, Mm -hmm. that was what I did. I went back to my running roots because that was my Mm go-to. And I thought I have to beat smoking. And the only thing that's going to remind me not to smoke is being winded on a run. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I use that and I developed a whole new relationship with activity and movement and fitness because now it was about feeling 
better in my body, not something that I just kind of felt pressure to do and pressure to do in a certain way. Yeah, that's so good. I like that. Um, I was not an athlete growing up really, but I guess I didn't, I didn't enjoy um, exercise. So kind of the same thing. I didn't enjoy being on teams, but it's so different being an adult when you realize how exercise actually adds value to your life. And it's not just the grinding and pushing and like harming yourself or like, I have to exercise because I have to burn these calories because I hate my body. I have to punish myself for what I ate, but also like, I actually need to move my body. Like I'm not going to live a long life if I don't. And it's such a different mindset. So, and I love, I love that you came full circle. So running was part of your life and then not, and then it got you back in. Yeah. It saved me. I mean, I think getting serious about running, um, and just coming up with these middle goal, um, mini goals, like make it up that hill or run the small route continuously without stopping. It reminded me of you training for your um, 5k. It, it was like something to work full toward and something required sacrifice, but it, it left less room in my life for like partying or smoking or just being generally like just lacking direction and, you know, structure. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love when we can take fitness and it can like add value to our life and just like, just kind of change things around and like help you become the hero of your story. And again, it's not just, I'm going to this class to get skinny. I'm doing right. this to add strength to my life. So mm-hmm. were you doing races or were you just like running on your own? What kinds of things were you doing? I was, um, so in college, I was running on my own, um, mm-hmm. just by myself, just had a route that I would run um, all my senior year, getting stronger and better at. And then after that, I moved to um, Washington, D.C. and worked for National Institutes of Health. And that's where I started training for marathons. So oh, wow. I got into long distance. Tra- I never thought I would be able to do it. I mean, I couldn't run like more than three miles yeah. at a time. And that was a stretch. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So you've run several marathons. You have like, what so, is uh, well, interestingly enough, the, the marathon I trained for got canceled um, because uh-huh. we went to war and it was like, right. It was, it was right. Not too long after nine 11. And okay. so it was in DC and they were like, no. Um, yeah. So we ran it anyways, unofficially, but, yeah. um, but I, I actually stopped really running after that. I, I kind of overtrained um, for yeah. that a little bit and I hurt my IT band. And so mm-hmm. that was when I sort of got into other forms of fitness outside of running to try and rehab my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely. And I can, and I, I'm always surprised because I did not really train very well for my first marathon. And the fact that I didn't get seriously injured, like, I'm so happy that I did it. And, you know, it was like this thing, but like that I didn't get injured because I did not properly train for that race and ran it anyway. Yeah. Um, that's like a big thing is like how, yeah, like not training, not doing things the right way, hurting ourselves. And then digging a hole. So let's talk a little bit more about, so you, you're like, you are the strength person. So what things did you start to get into? So at first I got into yoga a lot because Mm I, um, just, everyone says, you know, if runners are tight, their hamstrings are tight, whatever yoga is your go-to, right? So that seemed logical. And I had been a dancer, um, but I really gravitated to like the power strength side of things. Um, so I pretty much mix for most of my most of my 20s did a mixture of running and yoga, mm-hmm. using yoga to keep me from getting too tight and help me not to get injured or irritate my IT band. Um, but then when I started having kids and I didn't really, I couldn't even make running happen for a number of different reasons, that was when I started getting into strength training and lifting dumbbells at my house by myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Okay. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. So were, were you a personal trainer at this time or this was just stuff you were doing yeah. by yourself? Um, so, um, right after I finished with the whole marathon thing in DC, I, I did become an uh, athletic coach. So I was a coach, a track and field coach at an all girls high school and a high school teacher at the same school. Um, so that was really fun. I, I just, I love being a coach, a fitness coach and watching, um, you know, these girls just like improve in a season and set these goals for themselves and become better runners. So that was really cool. And then, um, and then about, you know, a few years after that, like five years, I, we moved again to North Carolina. I've lived all different places. And um, that was when I was, I had my first baby, 29. And I just um, wasn't in fitness. I was working in agriculture. I have a master's degree in soil science. But because I had this history with fitness and athleticism and being a coach, I just knew I needed to stay active during pregnancy, after pregnancy. Um, but I was having a hard time getting to classes going on runs, um, all that sort of thing. So that's when I turned to weights. Mm-hmm. And then because I got so adept at using free weights at my house by myself to train, I do like five, 10, 15 minute workouts. Then I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to coaching and I'm going to coach women how to do what I'm doing. They're pressed for time, get strong for themselves, get strong for their hobbies or fitness hobbies. I work with a lot of runners, cyclists, triathlete type people that want to build strength to improve performance. So um, that was how I got into that. Yeah. So I just, if you are listening to this, you definitely need to check out our Instagrams because uh, Sarah posts uh, videos of her workouts. And so she was just on a trip, I think at a hotel and doing a ridiculous, <laughs> a ridiculous workout, no equipment, but I, but you could just see the strength um, just using her body and it was really cool to see. And again, a quick workout. Um, I think sometimes we think, oh, we have to go to the gym and do this 50 minute thing, which we can. And, but that doesn't always, <laughs> doesn't right. always work. So right. it was really cool to see that. Um, yeah. That's, I love how you can really use strength too. I know a lot of your, everyone here probably is a runner and um, running is such an important skill to have. It's a great way to relieve stress. It's, it's no equipment, no frills. And I love that. And I just find like a lot of my clients, they're, they're racing and they want to get a little bit faster, but they don't necessarily have time in their schedule to run longer or devote more time to running. So I love giving them like 15, 20 minute workouts. They can do at home four movements with weights and then they, see their times get better. They feel their power and improve, increase. So I think that's a really cool, efficient way to get better at running. Yes. Cause, and we, it's just so weird because we just think cardio, 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 and especially maybe as women, we don't think about using weights or we don't think about strength because it seems kind of masculine, but it's yeah. like, if your legs are strong and your core is strong, like you can do so much more and, you know, with running or like outside of running. um, I love that. So so you work with a lot of athletes, but you also are big with working with moms. Is that correct? Yes. I'd say so half, probably 50% of my clientele is um, moms. So um, mostly postpartum mamas Mm -hmm. recovering from birth, trying to get back into some sort of fitness practice after having babies or even some of them postpartum in their forties and fifties, having still some residual, um, you know, I guess would say injuries or things they need to rehab like diastasis recti or pelvic floor dysfunction that happened after birthing babies and then even make the connection. So postpartum is, you know, forever. So I have all different kinds of postpartum women. And then half of my clients, I would say busy women um, that are not moms. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So what kinds of things do you like specify for your clients that are moms? Like what kinds of things should they be on the lookout for or like be adding into their um, routines? Yeah. So I think it's important for everyone that is either a pregnant mom or an early postpartum mom to understand that, you know, hormonally we change during pregnancy and we just are stretchier. Our ligaments, our tissues are more stretchy. This will be the case to as long as a woman is breastfeeding as well. Mm -hmm. So sometimes this idea of like a six-week checkup after a baby and you're good to go and get back to your exercise slowly isn't really necessarily true depending on how much your muscles and ligaments stretch during pregnancy. So with my moms, my both my prenatal mamas, my postpartum mamas, we focus a lot on alignment, pelvic position, um, learning to breathe in a way that we're not putting pressure on our organs. So like on the pelvic floor, it supports your bladder and your uterus and your rectum. And if you're a runner or if you're a jumper or if you're getting back into CrossFit and you don't know how to manage your intra-abdominal pressure, your breath, you can be inadvertently pushing down on all of those guys. And if you're kind of stretchy, then that can be a problem for pelvic floor. And the stretchiness is awesome. It's how we accommodate growing a baby, right? We need to, our our whole bodies change, but our alignment changes, our spine changes, how we carry load changes, how we breathe changes. And so we have to retrain and re-strengthen, rehab the core and the pelvic floor on the other side of pregnancy and birth so that you can get back into all of your fun athletic pursuits, hobbies, all that jazz. Yeah. So this sounds really like customized for your clients, like knowing specifically the needs that moms have or athletes, I mean, on the other side as well. Um, So it's not like a one size fits all program, which are fine. They're out there and they're great. But like, it sounds like you really get to know your clients pretty well. Yeah. And I mean, there's just some general rules too, as far as breathing and alignment and pelvic position during pregnancy um, that are really helpful. So blanket things that any woman that is pregnant or early postpartum can reach out to me and be like, yeah, pay attention to these three things. Um, But yeah. And then what's interesting too, is actually a lot of my clients that are not moms because they have a history with athleticism, because maybe they've been doing some historic, historically their pelvises have been tilted. They haven't necessarily had great alignment or their core has been weak or overly tight, they will actually have some symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction too. So it's really a load alignment and pressure management issue. And we just see it a lot after women have babies because like I said, because of that flexibility of the tissues and because, you know, you're carrying an extra what, 40, 50, 60 pounds, depending on how much you gain during pregnancy. But I I deal with it. I have several clients of mine that are, I have histories of of athleticism, runners, horseback riders, cyclists, never had babies that um, deal with some pelvic floor issues too. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad of that. Look out for that. So you work with people in person and online as well. Is that right? I do. Yes. Yes. So, um, so yeah, so I guess personal trainer and health coach as well. Um, and then do you come up with, uh, plans for them to use, uh, at home or like, how does that work? Yeah. So depending on, I mostly, I guess, um, focus on like, fitness and strength pursuits, mobility and movement. So if people are having like persistent injury or they're just um, sore somewhere, they want to be able to change how they move. We work with that a lot. And that's related to both my, my postpartum and um, prenatal mamas as well. And then just general lifestyle improvement, right? So I talk a lot about gut health and pelvic floor health in the context of strength, because I feel like if it relates to you feeling confident, capable and content in your body, it's 
fitness related and we have tools to improve that so mm -hmm. that you feel good, whether you're running, whether you're going to the gym with a bunch of friends, whether you're working out at home, right? You need to feel like you can trust your body and you're nourishing it and challenging it in an appropriate manner. Yeah. I love that. It's, um, very holistic, very like down to earth and just, um, it's good because it can get, you know, fitness can get really flashy and it can make yeah. people feel less than. So it sounds like you come from a place of um, just like value added. And I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about you though. I want to hear more. So like we, we talked about, we have, I have a lot of teachers that are listeners or people yeah. that are in teaching and, you know, they're loving it, but they're um, stressed out. Did you experience those kinds of things when you were a teacher? Um, I've just talked to a lot of former teachers <laughs> recently, so it's just so yeah. funny. Connected. What? Yeah. Was, yeah. What was that like for you? Um, so I definitely noticed my nutrition practices weren't super great when I was a teacher. I, I, that was actually one of the time first times in my life where I started focusing on it. I would get that afternoon slump and just be craving. Um, and so that was the first time I introduced more protein in my diet. And I was like, wow, this is a huge game changer, right? Like I don't have to feel that afternoon like crash and then need to go run and get sugar and coffee. Like if I have more protein in my diet. So that was um, interesting for me. And I try and encourage any of my clients that are teachers to do that. But then also just having like health snack options, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In the break room, at school, mm -hmm. um, you're just bombarded with snacks, foods, things that you can just kind of quickly take to get a little bit of energy. And it's hard. Teachers don't get to sit down and have like a full meal, right? Like you're snacking when you can. So a lot of my teacher clients, I'm like, hey, let's just get rid away from the idea of meals. Yep. And let's give you a bunch of healthful snacks. Snacks can have give you energy make you feel good not make you feel sluggish and can taste good we just have to like look at it in a different way and come up with things that work for you your daily you know schedule all that that's so true so it's so funny um because I think about like when I was a teacher the foods that I used to eat and it would be like hot pockets because that takes two minutes to microwave yeah. and I can scarf that down as I'm walking through the hall and so now I might have like big giant salads it was not possible to sit down and eat a salad yeah. when I was a teacher. Like, and I, I talked about this uh, previously too. It was just like, like there was not time to chew <laughs> for 10 minutes because recess duty, kids being sent to my room because of disciplinary or I had lunch duty. I had to go, you know, there's just something happening during lunch where it wasn't possible. Yeah. But I like this idea that, so it doesn't have to be a giant salad that takes 15 minutes to chew. And it doesn't have to be the hot pockets or the coffee like loaded with sugar. Like there's right. other things. Um, and that afternoon slump, like once you realize, huh, not everyone <laughs> feels like crap mm -hmm. at 1 PM. Like that was like, whoa, had yeah. no clue, no clue. Yeah. And I think too, it's being a teacher is a lot like, is a similar lifestyle during the day as being a mom where it's like, you just got to get it where you can get it and not be perfectionist about it, you know? So do your best every day. Don't use little like slip ups here as an excuse to just eat all the cake. If yeah. that's going to make you feel terrible. I mean, there's nothing wrong with cake, but yeah. if it's going to make you feel terrible later, like maybe like, let's not do that, but we don't have to be so perfectionist and think like we have to eat perfectly. Like if getting up and walking down the hall a couple of times is the movement you get for the day. Well, that's better than nothing, right? Go with that and just keep doing that and build on that momentum, get movement when you can have nutrition 
Trisha's chat, um, snacks at school with you. So you have good options. Um, so you don't always have to choose like the donuts or the things that will make you crash later and feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That physical feeling bad and that like mental thing, like it's so hard because there, you know, there are cupcakes for kids' birthdays or candy in the secretary's on the secretary's desk. And, um, it's hard to turn those things down, but then it's that like, well, if you, if you know, this doesn't make you feel good making those slight, um, those slight changes, which is what we want our students to do, like improve on the things that they're learning. Um, but yeah, I was talking to one of my clients and she's like, I'm really good at telling other people (laughs) how to do these things, but I Mm -hmm. struggle to take my own advice. And I'm like, I think that's everyone. (laughs) I think we're all working on those things. Yeah. And for teachers that don't work during the summer, I know summer year round, but I have a few clients that we really work on cultivating new habits and experimenting with foods in the summer when they have more freedom. So that come August, September, when they go back, it's not a brand new system. You're like, oh no, I know this. I know these bars work for me. I know this. They'll have to, you know, tweak it with their schedule. But I think like experiment when you have freedom in your schedule and it's not stressful. And then once you go back, it's not like starting all over. You're like, Oh, I'm going to bring this with me, these practices. Exactly. And I think that too, I like what you said about that. It was like setting those habits up. Now I've I've worked with people in the past that were like, Oh gosh, like I kind of want this summer to relax and I don't want to push myself too hard. And then I, I get it. But if we start thinking about health and fitness and exercise as like adding value and it's not (laughs) this punishment, right you know, then this is like, this is helping you relax better. Like this is helping you add more value and enjoyment to your life. Right. Yeah. Doing it in a scalable, gradual way and getting to the point, like you were, you talked about in your episode one of like, you just were craving more. You're like, I, I need to feel like I'm working towards something, accomplishing something and not coasting. Mm. And if you bite off more than you can chew, then it's intimidating and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. But if you kind of like make these mini goals for yourself and then they improve your quality of life, that's motivation in and of itself. It doesn't have to be like all about, well, you should be doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's like, you want to do it because it makes you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. The feeling better, like that feeling better. And it's, it, ugh. It, the physical, like just, I just don't want to feel tired all the time. I just right. don't want to feel like crap right. all the time. Right. Um, I had another uh, client who's a teacher and a mom. And she was like, you know, I just thought this feeling crappy was just how it was at like the older I got. And while, you know, we might not be like full of energy, <laughs> like we were when we were seven years old. Right. The, the sugar slumps, like those things actually, yeah, like we can do things. Um, but it was just so interesting where she was like, huh, when I, you know, stop eating as many processed foods, I still have some, but like when I stop eating as many, I feel right. better. And it was just like that light bulb. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> been there totally like same thing for me as well. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I know, so we touched on this a little bit. Can we talk a little bit more about gut health? Cause I know you post a lot about that. Um, I'm, I'm learning so much as I follow you on Instagram. Um, and yeah, let's talk more about that. So I know that there are certain foods that are really helping your body and certain foods that you kind of steer away from. Yeah. So, um, I generally with the gut health, um, topic, I try to help people understand that there are foods and just chemicals in our food these days that are not helping your gut microbiome. And there's bugs that live in your gut and they are responsible for so many different things, digestion, nutrient uptake, hormonal balance, um, like managing inflammation, 
feel good chemicals like serotonin and dopamine. Like they communicate with your adrenals. So you don't get fried. They communicate with your thyroid. I mean, like they're doing a lot of stuff, right? And so you want to keep them alive and you want to make sure the ones that are supposed to be in there more or less are there and in good population, right? So, um, so, but I, I also like to not be super perfectionist about it. So I don't like people to feel like day one, when they come and work with me, they have to like cut all these things out and change everything. There's a lot of things you can do for the gut that are beneficial. Like movement is super good. We know that folks that move a lot, have a totally different microbial population that helps people stay leaner, have a more efficient metabolism and more energy than people that are sedentary. So moving and finding a way to move is a great thing. Drinking lots of water, mm-hmm. managing stress as much as you can, you know? And then for some people, like really cutting out some foods, like um, foods that I would say have like toxic chemicals on them, like a lot of, gen- unfortunately, genetically modified foods have that because they're designed to withstand lots and lots of treatment with pesticides and herbicides and they kill your microbes. So mm-hmm. that foods that have antibiotics in them, mm-hmm. things like that. And for some people, they have to go as far as to cut it back on dairy and mm-hmm. or gluten and different kinds of grains. But it depends on the individual and, and depends on, honestly, their pre-existing microbial community. Mm-hmm. Some people can eat anything and everything and they feel fine. They have yeah. such a robust mm-hmm. like gut community um, mm-hmm. and they manage their stress so well that they're like, they're in great shape. Well, as other people, like me, it's my gut is kind of my Achilles heel. Like if something, mm-hmm. if I'm stressed, that's the first thing to kind of be challenged. So Mm-hmm. So yeah, but if you're struggling with that and you don't feel good and you have chronic stomach aches or elimination issues or you're not absorbing nutrients, that's going to play into your goals and achieving your goals with respect to fitness and having energy. Yes. So it's a part of the puzzle that I think we need to talk about for sure with some people more than others. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think I like that. I, I like how you talk about though, um, that you don't it's not this perfectionist idea because that doesn't, we've learned (laughs) that doesn't work. Cutting everything out on day one and expecting the rest of your life to be like that is, it's just not going to happen. And so those slow, gradual things, um, I mean, it's the same thing we do as teachers. Like (laughs) you don't give all your kids all the content on day one and expect them to know it. No way. Um, And it's just that like going back to being okay with being a beginner. Yep doing things slow and steady. And then like just learning, like you said, how your body reacts to something is different, how someone else's body reacts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just like practicing those things and figuring it out. Yeah. If you do too many things at once too, then I mean, you're being super unscientific about it. So you never really make the connection either. And I'm such a dork because my, my, I study microbiology for years. And I'm like, I, and even as a, you know, teacher, I taught AP biology. I was teaching my kids like how to use a scientific method to problem solve, right? It's like if you do everything on day one, you take everything out and then you get tired of it a month later and you bring it all back in, you didn't learn anything. So did you lean out and get rid of your bloat and stop having digestive distress? Okay, great. But is that a long term solution? Do you feel better? the month after it no so yeah my programs are always just like let's start slow let's pay attention let's pick what works for us everything is scalable and you know it's a lifestyle shift not just like overnight success yes strategy. I, I love that you do that and so I <laughs> science is like was my worst subject as a teacher and my worst subject as a student but I see myself um, thinking about just the scientific method and just what I taught to kindergartens and talking about like one variable, <laughs> testing one variable at a time so that you know well, what it is. Because if you remove 
everything. You don't know if it was the gluten or if it was the dairy or if it was just the fact that you're not binging on all of those foods and you're not having a giant quantity of those foods. Totally. Uh, Because I've, I've, I think that that that's something too, is sometimes people will think it's one thing, but it's like, but it's just the, well, you had 20, you know, 20 million calories of processed foods. Yeah. And that's going to make you feel like crap, but if Mm -hmm. having a little bit of ice cream, that might not. So yeah, so many things. Um, but I like that. Like we having the patience to like do science, like scientific method on ourselves, doing these little mini experiments to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And it works with fitness and exercise and nutrition in all different ways. You were a kindergarten teacher. You get a trophy. Oh my God. I don't, I don't know how you do that. That is an amazing art skill. I can't wait. Not a kindergarten teacher anymore. So oh, yeah, yeah. teachers out there that are still teaching, yeah. you guys get the trophies because oh. it's it's hard work. It is hard work. And, you know, teachers that are moms, that's hard work. It's hard. Life is hard. I can't even imagine, like, having to deal with, you know, the. I mean, having kids is great, but it's a lot of work. And then also taking care of other people's kids and talking I mean, that is a special person right there doing it. I'm always like, we can't pay you people enough. I know. It's hard. Um, and, and that, and then I always go back to like, that's why it's so, so important for, I think teachers and moms, especially to, you know, like make fitness a part of the life because the whole, like, you can't pour from a cup, the cup that's empty. Like yeah. you're going to burn out. Like you need, like, it has to be a part of your life. You're not going to survive. You need it. And totally. I feel like, I feel like that was part of the reason why I kind of had to leave teaching because I, I burned myself out. I wasn't mm-hmm. taking care of myself. Ugh, it was so hard. Yeah. And I think feeling like having your own accomplishments in fitness and just setting little goals for yourself and like, I made that is really helpful too because sometimes we can't really control like, especially like teachers and moms and anyone with a busy life. We can't control all the nutrition stuff. We can't control all the stress in our body. We can't always control how our body is responding to our lifestyle. We don't necessarily get the leaning physique change results as quickly as we want to all the time. But if we're doing cool stuff and we're proud of ourselves and we see that, that is motivating. And then we'll just keep doing it. And then the results, you know, the results will come and we'll just feel better and generally and manage stress better as well. Yeah. That's, um, I was just writing about this. Uh, I think that one of the best ways to like learn to love your body as it is is to do something like running or to do something like lifting weights because Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you start focusing on like all of the the cool shit your body can do that you never thought, like you said, like you never thought you'd be able to run. Mm -hmm. And then you were, you know, you trained for a marathon, you ran a, you ran an unofficial marathon like that. Um, And then the weight comes off as a byproduct. The weight comes up, comes off as you were doing those things. Mm -hmm. It just, it makes it like a lifestyle. It makes it achievable. Um, Yeah. I love that. Awesome. So let's, um, I want to touch on, so if you had to give someone one piece of advice to change their life, what, what would you say? What, um, what's big on your list? Hmm. Okay. So I think the most important thing that people can do if they're going to make any changes Mm -hmm. is to like talk with themselves a little bit and get real specific about 
what they need because I think it's easy to chase fitness programs that are telling you what you need, but like it might not be. So maybe really like dialing your nutrition is it because you have energy slumps or maybe fat loss is a huge goal for you, or maybe you're tired of fat loss and you just want to feel good and powerful and accomplished in your body. Like really sitting down and just talking to yourself or maybe a close friend and thinking about what am I lacking in my life right now that I want to change first and not buying into all the fitness fads and advertising that tells you like you need to change in these all these different ways and then starting with that and starting with making the changes that you think are most impactful and most reasonable for you and know that it's just a process and you can build momentum but having those little small wins because you're fixing something that actually matters to you as an individual I think is huge Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I think that, that that just makes health and fitness a part of your life. It makes it personal to you. Um, I think that's one of the things I love in just talking with you is that it doesn't seem like you are a promoter of a certain program or lifestyle or whatever, but it's like, let's figure out what's, what, what, they're, what you need, what you need because, yeah. Yeah. It's true. It gets complicated sometimes, right? Because we're all so different and bio-individuality is a thing. But I find for most people that it's like they lift some, they move some, they eat some nutritious food, but they don't get rid of treats altogether. Like they'll, they'll be doing okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Awesome. So if people want to connect with you, where can they find you on the internet? What, where were you, you hanging out? Yeah. So I post a lot on Instagram. Um, so Sarah Smith strength, you can find mm-hmm. me there. And then also sarahsmithstrength.com. I have, um, I actually have a whole tab on there about like women's specific fitness mm-hmm. topics. You can go and read and just see, cause I really like talking about how female physiology is different. Our lifestyle are different expectations, different cultural expectations and like how we navigate that as well. Um, so yeah. Awesome. And I will put those in the show links so people can just click and they can find you. Um, it was so great talking with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jackie. I love your podcast. Keep it up, girl. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. That was so fun connecting with Sarah. She is just a wealth of knowledge and I've learned so much from her Instagram. I definitely think you should check her out, especially if you're a mom, especially if you are struggling this summer or, you know, you just want to get things in checks when, um, for when the school year starts, definitely check out Sarah's Instagram. Um, and I'll, you know, I put that stuff in the show notes for you guys. Don't worry. Just scroll down a little bit and you will find everything you need. All right, guys. Until next time, have a good night. Bye. Go for a run. You can do it.